You're listening to Metaverse Demystified. Today, we're joined by Chris Duffy. Chris spearheads Adobe's strategic development and design partnerships across the creative enterprise space. His keynotes have been uh, seen by more than 50 million across 100 global media outlets. Welcome, Chris. Great to be here. Uh, Thanks for having me. And I'm a big fan of the the mission you and the community are standing for. So... uh, uh, looking forward to a great, healthy discussion. Absolutely. Uh, we're, we're so grateful to have you. And I have a question just to give, uh, you know, a question with an introduction uh, to what you do at Adobe. Uh, my first question would be, um, you know, if you had to describe what you do at Adobe in one sentence, what would it be? Uh, inspire creativity. Gotcha, gotcha. That's awesome. Um, so we're going to be talking today about your book, Decoding the Metaverse. I had the privilege of uh, reading quite a bit of it this morning and enjoying it. Um, so let's just jump right in with defining uh, what we're talking about in two separate ways. I love these comparisons. And uh, when it comes to complex topics, um, it's always nice to compare one thing with another thing just to give us a sense of what we're diving into. So Tim Berners-Lee famously invented Web 3.0. And you're going to be talking a lot about Web three and I'd love to know what in your mind is the difference yeah I think I think it's a foundational question but understanding that you know we need to better align on uh, going forward and so essentially you know I'm speaking to the the choir here but you know essentially web one was a read only environment you know the the mid to late 90s was predominantly web one web two then around the mid 2000s was all about this ability of read and write. So this uh, ability to interact a bit more with the content. Web 3.0 then came around, which was all about semantic sharing of information. However, when we talk about the metaverse and its uh, component parts of Web 3, we have to delineate, make the distinction between Web 3.0 and Web3. Web3 is defined by a number of different characteristics, decentralization, blockchain, decentralized finance, uh, applications that are decentralized as well, smart contracts, DAOs, and NFTs. So although they sound very similar, they're very distinct Web3.0 and Web3. So I just wanted to, you know, really highlight, underscore going forward if this metaverse uh, community can be you know, very um, diligent on that uh, distinction going forward. I think that that's a, a great starting point. Awesome. So uh, really quick, I wanted to say, um, you know, I, I was reading the book this morning and uh, I was just enjoying the in-depth details. You really break things down in a way that anybody can understand. And, uh, you know, I come from a crypto skeptic side of things, but regardless of the uh, part of the conversation you're a part, um, really your book sets the stage of what we're talking about, you know? Um, and I'd love to get into something that is critical. And I, I you know, this stuff never ceases to fascinate me, even though I'm a, a critic of the space. Um, um, I'd love to dive into the cash cash, uh, the hash cash theory and how that relates to Web3. Sure, definitely. Maybe I'll take a little step back and mm-hmm. give kind of a framing of my perspective. Uh, you know, I like to think of myself as a digital theorist uh, traveling between time and space. I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, of all places, gotcha. uh, in a multicultural home. So my father was Irish and my mother was Mexican. So from a very early age, I was fascinated with this blending of unexpected contrasts. So uh, art and science, creativity and technology, left brain, right brain, divergent thinking, and now this merging of the physical and digital realities in the metaverse. So that is kind of my the core mission cool. to really help uh, create and showcase growth opportunities for brands, organizations in society through a lens of diversity, equity, purpose-driven um, Uh, mantras and then value-based ethical use of technology. So with that, you know, I think uh, we we just talked about the distinction delineation between Web uh, 3.0 and Web 3. Within Web 3 in of itself, there needs to be some uh, 
delineations as okay. well. Uh, you know, qu quite often, more broadly speaking, uh, you know, crypto has become somewhat synonymous with Web3. Mm -hmm. It is a, one output of Web3, but it, as you know, this group uh, knows, they, they are not one in the same. So yeah. we, we have to almost, you know, topic by topic kind of um, uh, tear, thing, tear things apart in some, some cases or make some separations. In Definitely. terms of Hashcash, you know, that, that was really an initial um, use case, uh, you know, POC uh, beta version of what blockchain can achieve. Do you want to just and, break you know, up uh, POC for us? Yeah, uh, uh, proof of concept, right? Okay. So essentially, there's been a number of different proof proof of concepts for uh, blockchain in of itself. Yeah. So uh, that that's kind of what we have to go through and and look at uh, in more depth. Awesome. Uh, so when it comes to the hashcash theory and, uh, you know, how that worked with email uh, and the fundamental idea that has been brought over to blockchain technology, um, what, what do you, uh, can you dive deeper into that for us? Sure. So, you know, essentially hashcash was a proof of work system that was used to uh, reduce spam and denial of uh, service attacks. Yeah. And so that used, uh, you know, some underlying technology uh, to really help generate uh, these alert systems. And that was uh, through this hash cache stamping capabilities. And it was applied to messages. And so that would be uh, kind of, it, it would travel with the messages. So we would have essentially early form of a digital ledger or a digital record of authentication for an email. So, you know, that was an, a very early uh, example of the promise vision of blockchain. Gotcha. As we've advanced over the, the, you know, the last few years, I think we've seen the pros and cons and friction points of blockchain. Yep. You know, the underlying value proposition is still very much there. We, we now have to, you know, optimize in, in many ways uh, to make it even more scalable going forward. Gotcha, gotcha. So you talk about, and I love how, how you break this down in the book in simple terms that anybody can understand, uh, how, you know, Hashcash was this idea where uh, you could stop email spammers by making them do a little bit extra CPU work in order to get a special stamp on their emails so that they couldn't just send millions of emails out there. There was a proof of work system because they're saying, well, a spammer is not going to afford to add that much CPU power to a million emails because they need to send so many. Uh, and therefore, it's validating the value of the email being sent. And this idea has been brought into this uh, blockchain space. Um, and in your book, you talk about um, the need uh, for a lack of fast lanes for the Internet. You know, that the Internet should uh, be equal to those who subscribe to it. Um, and. I have a I have a thought, I have a question about this because we know that the internet is best when it's open, but we do see at the fundamental level Web3 adopting this hash cache theory, um, which naturally gives a leg up to those who already can afford to put in expensive computing power uh, to validate things. And uh, is, doesn't that naturally make the blockchain more favorable to those who already have wealth, power and ability? I, you know, I think it's a it's a fascinating um, you know concern um, going going forward, yeah. uh, and that's something we have to be mindful of on how we can you know utilize the technology in its true original intentions. Gotcha. Um, you know, towards a not not to jump towards the uh, the end of the book, but. You know, talk about a number of the unintended co consequences of Web two mm -hmm. that we have to, you know, really be mindful of going forward. Uh, and I think you, you highlight another um, really important one on a technical level is how how do we, you know, in many ways, uh, social leveled the playing field for giving voice to anyone, anywhere, at any time. 
Yeah. And so how can we take that to the next level uh, with Web3 capabilities um, going forward? And so yeah, it, it's a complex one to, um, you know, p- pull apart some, some early thoughts are you know, the, the, the proof of work, I think, is a phenomenal example of uh, infusing you know, an equal playing field, but it's tough. I, I don't know yeah. if, if there's a very clear answer. I, I'd be curious if, if you have some thoughts on that as well. Um, I'll be honest. I think that where the blockchain is an idea goes wrong is that it decides that we, because we can't trust each other, we need to trust this system, this uh, permanent interchangeable system. I think the centralization of the internet's been driven through evolutionary forces who have, uh, you know, driven things together as they are. Uh, I'm not sure that the blockchain, uh, from my standpoint, is a feasible uh, solution to solving, uh, you know, the web's problems. But I also will say I started as a metaverse critic um, and, uh, you know, I eventually uh, criticized it and uh, realized I was wrong and uh, changed my mind. So I'm always looking for that next opportunity to find that use case that's really uh, game changing. Um, but I'm still struggling to see because I, I feel like what's happened here is the monetary incentives that have been created by the blockchain in many cases um, through the tokenization of the blockchain have created a level of interest and enthusiasm driven often, unfortunately, by greed rather than by the fundamental usefulness of the technology. And that scares me, you know? Yeah, Sam, you know, I, I appreciated you early on and just... Uh pick up on it again you mentioned you know being transparent somewhat of your caution uh with the metaverse Mm -hmm. and you know this is this is my second book the first one i wrote about uh six seven years ago on the the rise of artificial intelligence and i created a tap i called it at the time a tapestry of different ai technologies Uh, primarily language transformers. And I I was thinking last night, I remember giving a talk in London a few years ago, and it it was a a blank stare um, audience talking about at a very soon point in time, which we're now seeing with chat GPT, the capabilities that know these uh language generators will have and i i i see we're going through the same thought process with the mm-hmm. metaverse currently well we you know, just to uh paint paint that picture a little bit i i you know over the last 10 years or so kind of um evolved my thinking from i used to become very disheartened when i would see these dystopian like uh hollywood movies about the future yep. but i came to realize there is a purpose and a benefit to seeing something that we don't want in many cases. And so those paint a cautionary tale. So I welcome uh, conversations around pressure testing theories, ideas, technologies, and this point, the blockchain. You know, I don't, I don't think we have to um, have to become so religious on one piece of technology, uh, this being blockchain, right? There's some a number of other potential ones, maybe nested chains could be one, sharding could be another uh, possible solution, side chains, snarks, you know, zero knowledge uh, proof technologies yep. could improve the performance, which would have a great uh, environmental impact. Uh, but to, to, to your point, how do we ensure this ecosystem um how do we how do we distribute power equally yeah. uh th- th- you know throughout the ecosystem that that's i don't think honestly anyone has the the all the answers at the moment but Absolutely. if we can all agree on that's a, a a lens that we must look at things through i think that's kind of the the, the starting point it's easy to point out the problems. It's hard to come up with the solutions, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but it, what, what's the old saying? Uh, you know, identifying the problem is ninety percent uh, getting there. So awesome. Yeah.
Well, before we jump into all the awesome questions that you guys have uh, posted in chat, I would love to have somebody jump in and stand up and put your hand up and join in the conversation. I see some familiar faces there. Gian, Royal, feel free to jump in and and uh, you know share your thoughts or uh, send your questions. Again, we're talking to Chris and he just wrote a book on the metaverse, uh, decoding the metaverse. And uh, we would love to uh, have your questions to him um, concerning the whole, the whole, the book or the metaverse as a whole. Be brave. Get in there. I got tons of questions. I don't want to hog all the time. <laughs> all right. We'll take one from the uh, general chit chat. The first one we're going to take is from Billy. Uh, Billy says, what steps do you suggest in keeping our children safe inside a metaverse? Or, or for example, uh, we have dedicated children's spaces in real life that are uh, mentioned or monitored or fenced to keep predators out. In what way will the metaverse secure our children's safety both mentally and physically? Love it. Uh, yeah, I have two two young daughters, uh, one 16, one uh, 11. And even that little age gap between the two, I've, I've seen a, a big difference in uh, not only their online behavior habits, but also the uh, result of those those habits. So it's been fascinating to, to see it. Um, you know, kind of form right before my eyes. Uh, so this is a topic near and dear uh, to, to myself. And how do we build a more ethical um, metaverse uh, going forward? Yep. One thing that, you know, I think is becoming universally agreed upon uh, that will solve, you know, a majority of the problems is just authentication, right? Verifying you are a human and then going a step further and verifying who, which human you are, um, yeah. has you know there's been a number of uh, studies uh, just about authentication will uh, alleviate a number of problems such as uh, you know bullying, polarizing, um, aggressive behavior online. So I think if we can build some of those safeguards very early on into the the metaverse, that will be an ethical foundation. Uh, g going forward, um, you know, and it's going to be platform by platform. So, you know, I think uh, across the board, from what I'm seeing and hearing, uh, just on a pure brand level, right? It's no longer, you know, doing good is good business. And how do you incorporate not only strategic thinking uh, for your product or service, whether it be a digital product or service, but a, a digital uh, platform as well? is how do you infuse stra strategic um, you know, initiatives with utility, but, but also with a value system. And within that value system, obviously, ethics and um, you know, um, uh, online safety is uh, the, the utmost concern. So to keep it short, I would say um, authentication would be a, a primary focus going forward. Awesome. I see some people have put up their hands as requests to speak. I'd like to bring on uh, Royal. Royal O'Brien is from the Linux Foundation, and he recently opened the Open or the Open Metaverse Foundation, which is from the Linux Foundation itself. And uh, he's going to be coming on. Uh, jump on there, Royal. I've invited you. Good. Can you hear me? We can hear you loud and clear. The power of technology. So, <laughs> <laughs> my uh, it's Hi, great Royal. to meet you. Um, the like question that. I have here is, uh, you're taking a look at a lot of things that are going on that are being built, and obviously working with an organization, um, you have one perspective. What do you see uh, in regards to the impacts of open sourcing community and how that will drive and working with alongside with companies uh, to get some of these pieces there? Uh, do you see them you know, together, kind of battling it out, push and pull? Uh, there's a balance to be had, and I'm, I'm curious of your perspective. It's been a great, um, very important um, question topic. It's been interesting uh, to see how we've seen some of the these indicators just in brand marketing as a reference point, um, maybe a jumping off point over the last couple of years. You know, 
quite often, even when I started, you would see these brand business um, you know, brand books on steroids where the logo had to be, you know, exactly this space from the edge. You know, this was the, the exact wording. And over the years, that didn't feel authentic to the users or the uh, customers. So I would say over the last 10 years, there's been this realization of the importance of handing over your brand to the community, to your customers to co-create it, everything from the visual look to you know, the value system. So I think that, that, that's a really um, fascinating characteristic um, it's going to be quite valuable for the metaverse going forward. Been getting a lot of uh, questions and hearing a lot of questions around what is the best way to for a business entrepreneur uh, individual to enter into the, the the metaverse. And you know, I, I think I've come to the conclusion that it's all about starting to embody the mindset of some core characteristics of the metaverse. So essentially. There's seven or so, and, I, and I'm not uh, overly prescriptive with the, the characteristics. I think they're going to evolve over time. But as a starting point, you know, the metaverse is made up of immersive 3D capabilities, real-time capabilities, ownership, interoperability, shared experiences, shared economy, and persistent. And throughout those three or four, touch on your uh, question, your point, shared experience, shared economy, and ownership is core to the metaverse. And I think that that gets back to your thought about the need for the metaverse to be co-owned, where you know whatever world the user will be in, they have autonomy, they have co-ownership, they have freedom, they have independence to make some uh, choices uh, for themselves. And, right. you know, I think that, that gets to to the the ultimate uh premise of the book that metaverse will build a world of empowerment and that's that's centered around you know shared experience shared economy and co-ownership right to to parlay on that a little bit um just in content relation if we take a look at history you've got you know pixar that's kind of released the moana island you have uh, user-generated content you have content that you have different organizations even even uh star wars where they're allowing different communities to start working with the content because they found out that it builds their user base and fan base. Um, and I know it's a lot of conversation that's around with ASWF and some of the studios. And so how do you see some of that playing, especially? Because I think people would be interested how they build these, especially in this immersive environment. Maybe two, two on-ramps uh, to that is fandom, right? We've seen that in the, the gaming community for the last number of years. And that gets, you know, that the, the core trait there is co-ownership or co-creation. I think that's starting to become table stakes for companies and brands. Where it's going to get really interesting is that co-ownership, co-monetization, where let's say the community builds a character and that character can then be... Um, least you know within that world hopefully at some point interoperable across worlds but let's say for the purpose of this example it's used within one world how can they uh, monetize and reward the user for their time efforts and creativity and ip to help create um, a value to that environment and so I think that is going to be the true utility of the metaverse. One of the true utilities of the metaverse going forward is to, for brands, platforms to reward their users for their time, effort, and IP. Excellent. I don't and want that to can take the form of tokens. Yeah, tokens and, you know, uh, uh, token gating, uh, a number of uh, different strategies can be. Um, leverage on a tactical level to achieve that. I think it'll be interesting. We'll see how intellectual property holders help build their bases, you know, um, with some of this. It's going to be an interesting world to see how that works out, but I don't want to chew up too much time. It's but you, you bring up something, you know, uh, very interesting that we're seeing happen in real time. Um, 
you know, with the likes of generative AI, uh, with image generation. So what are the, the provenance guidelines, guardrails? What are the, um, citations, um, the metadata that gets embedded into, uh, the ownership, uh, if everything starts to become derivative, we should have yes. a record of where it's derived from. That first lawsuit that's going through is going to define a lot of patterns. We'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting. Thank you. We're new, new, uh, new territory. Awesome. I'd love to pull up some of those who have been waiting. I see Hyperspace has been waiting quite a while. Hyperspace, I'm going to bring you on. Since we have quite a few, uh, I'm going to ask everybody, keep your questions short and let's keep everything punchy. All right. Uh, Hyperspace. Yeah. I'll, I'll keep my answers a little punchier. As well. <laughs> no problem. Okay. So based on the sounds of things that kind of, you know, got that kind of, it actually kind of got the stuff, you know, cleared up. How you said that, like, how it was said that, like, every you know, user-owned world would kind of have, world would likely kind of have, you know, different rules, rules on, like, even for authentication, I, I would hope, but, like, so, we're not promoting, you know, some sort of dystopian, you know, ID, dystopian media level, IDing, being internet users to just use a platform level stuff, right? I mean, Eric's verification on credit card on a credit card is one thing on credit card processing is one thing but like we're not promoting decoding uh coding real life id on the internet because that's got gets really dangerous fast in terms of privacy awesome. like we're hardcore yeah, you know, privacy maybe advocates so yeah as in hyperspace yeah, it, Go ahead. you know even um th there's probably a tiered Depending on the, the platform and the, the use case, there's probably some tiered um, exposure to that. Yeah. Um, right? So, you know, maybe... Yeah, I mean, if you're actually doing NSFW, yeah, sure. But, like, anything else, you know? You know, stuff that's legally restricted to 18 and up is, you know, one thing. Yeah, you should probably send a picture of your ID. But, like, we're saying, we're saying more, like... You, you don't like your ID being like your real life ID and you know information like I could have someone get like your home address being tied and everything being tied to your her Let's account. Give you a moment to answer because I think we understand. Yeah, it's just a uh, yeah, classic so privacy it's, concern. No problem. Yeah, I, I think um, yeah, a the the platform, but we as a society have to I think grapple with that spectrum of. The, the cost benefit um, of, of give and take, right? So, if if giving up some some anonymous aspects, um, you know, maybe some characteristics that can identify you as a human for the the greater goal of more ethical, more uniting. Uh, environment that, that's where i think we're gonna have to as a society work, work through that but i, I hear you definitions yeah, like, uh, of the there's gonna be you know? trade-offs there's there's stuff like what Royal and his team are working on uh, with the foundations of the metaverse, which is, you know, how, how do different systems talk to each other, right? And then on top of yeah. that, there's going to be networks that are built, and those networks uh, may have verification at some level, some degree. I personally think uh, global verification of, of human identity is so dangerous that I would do everything in my power to stop it being a thing. Um, I think I would agree with Billy's assessment earlier that, uh, you know, protecting minors online has been a catastrophic failure. But what we've seen is uh, all that we've done when it, we've tried to verify people's uh, identity online is taught children how to lie. Um, and I've seen the other side because I used to work in China and I, I've seen the sort of humongous reach the Chinese government has of its people. We know how this goes wrong. 
we know what this can do to people. And I think that uh, we have to tread very carefully uh, into, into the future we want to shape. And I think uh, one of the things that uh, led me to create, uh, well, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you this, a story of one of the things that uh, made me create this is, you know, I was outside, I was, I was looking up at the stars, I was beholding the beauty of the universe uh, a well away from a city. I could see all the galaxies to be explored. And, and then I imagined all those lights looking down at me and tracking my every movement. And I could see, you know, the tremendous possibility of exploration, or it could be, you know, this world of everything we do being tracked. And I think the metaverse represents the possibility for both those extremes. And I think if we don't take a uh, action to be part of it, uh, we could uh, have a future generation growing up in a world where they don't know what it means to express themselves freely because they're afraid of the consequences of what they say. And that's definitely a concern for me, at least. You know, uh, as we're chatting through this, it reminds me of like the early days of TCP and, you know, the, the layers that that uh, prompted you know, so that that was the need for greater security passwords. Then that gets into the question of how do you protect those passwords exactly. uh, and so on. So I, I think we're going to have a similar exploration, a much needed one on the layers of um, authentication going forward. Definitely. I have a bunch of questions. I see. I want to um, keep up with your questions here. I'll pull one from the group that uh, posted in text chat. Najik said, what will be one of the uh, one of the biggest advantages and disadvantages of creating a fully functional metaverse and why? Yeah, first, we probably have to define fully functional. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, let, let, let's Taking at face value, kind of a uh, 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 commonly used environment, right? Or used on a daily basis, let's say. Um, you know, I think one of the core principles that we have to um, keep in mind is quite often, and I think this emerged uh, rightfully or wrongfully from the, the gaming communities, was gaming was used as an escapism. Uh, and I think, yes, uh, there might be some characteristics of that, but there's a core belief that the metaverse is not about escaping, but it's going to be about connecting. And I, I can, you know, reference that firsthand, the early days of the pandemic, you know, we use some, um, a number of different technologies, albeit not fully metaverse, but that kept me connected to my colleagues, my friends, my family, my kids, you know, did virtual play. Uh, my wife kept uh, up with her family across the world. So I think the metaverse in a fully functional way, I think, will be uh, connecting. Um, I think some of the, the things we have to keep in mind is we have to build safeguards in that uh, uh, being completely um all-encompassing uh so uh, you know we've we've got to work uh, through through that uh, as well you know absolutely i have a question this has been a question uh from me i i uh, built some of the most uh, engaging facebook pages in the world a whole long time ago i was like one of those tiktok kids who goes viral these days a uh, long time ago and uh, before that was a, a known thing and we were doing 200 million media impressions monthly and uh it got me really curious about what the future of social interaction is watching these literally sometimes forty thousand people a day come onto one of our websites and sign up and it's just you know, live chatting with all these people is absolutely a fantastic experience. Um, but, you know, uh, as I got uh, deeper in that rabbit hole, I was asking myself, uh, is immersion sometimes a hindrance and is it sometimes a help? So uh, I came up with the example of, you know, uh, this idea. There's a lot of excitement about immersive shopping. You can go there. You can go there to that uh, virtual store. Um, but why would people do that rather than going to, let's say, Amazon.com and just buying something in a few clicks and getting out of there? Um, are we duplicating too much of the immersion, so to speak? I think think that raises uh, a couple of questions. One that 
first comes to mind is that painted a picture of a VR experience uh, for for me. The metaverse, a number of different on ramps to Hang it. On. Say that you know, one augmented more because we we'll lost you for a second. That that painted a a picture of a VR experience uh, for me. Gotcha. So there's the reality is there's going to be many different on ramps into the metaverse. Some being VR, some being AR. So an immersive experience could be in the physical world with a digital overlay, yeah. which I think could be quite uh, val valuable and not non-destructive um, in many ways. So I, I just wanted to hi highlight that that it's you know the metaverse doesn't necessarily have to be or will be completely virtual or digital it will be the blending of the the physical and the the digital absolutely i really think you know that's where i came from also with the answer is like uh we're gonna be we, we do a lot on our phones right now we're gonna be popping that into ar glasses we're gonna be overlaying um you know digital stuff on physical stuff and um there's gonna be so many different ways the metaverse is an evolution of what we're already doing and i do see that many people see it as like the ready player one stuff because they they saw that um and you know uh, they they saw the popularity of that they envisioned it like that but you and me i think we both think of it the same way there's going to be many different on ramps onto the metaverse and it's it's more of an ecosystem um with many exactly. you know ways it reveals itself rather than one particular world or place you know yeah okay so i see that noxaru has been waiting a long time to jump in here noxaru i'm going to invite you to speak you will be recorded be aware go ahead and jump in noxaru um hello hey welcome <clears throat> hi naxaru how are um, you i i'm doing all right i i just have a question i also posted it in the um the chat i was gonna ask him do you consider wait or would you consider games similar to like world of warcraft <clears throat> world of warcraft pso2 and many others or just social games similar to like imvu or rp2 would you consider them more like the metaverse or at least what would be or at least the closest thing to it. Uh, uh, great question. Thank you. Um, uh, Sam, I, I appreciated that you didn't start off with, can you define the metaverse? Mm -hmm. uh, because I intentionally try not to define it. Yeah. I try to describe it uh, because it is moving so so fast and evolving so quickly, even over the, the, the past 24 months. So like to describe it using characteristics and yeah. I'm not as prescriptive as a, a number of other people where it is or it's not. I think it's a little more uh, fluid uh, at, at least at this point. And I, I took inspiration from a book a few years ago called The Phoenix Project, if you, you might remember that one, yeah. uh, all about DevOps. And they took a very similar approach where um, DevOps was so expansive, a, it transcended a core definition beyond, in this case, the digital and the physical uh, coming together. I think it has components. To your question, those games have components of Metaverse. They have components of Web3. They have uh, components of Web2 um, environments. And so yeah, I, I would... Um, as I worked through a, a number of these topics and issues, I was often reminded of kind of my previous uh, roles as a content creator, where quite often like the scrums, and I love scrum and I love process, but sometimes the process got so religious uh, that it kind of forgot the end objective of what the, the project goal was. And I, I think in many ways we just have to Think about the metaverse in that way too. That there are some characteristics of you know uh, a project or a game that have the the metaverse, but does it really matter if it if it doesn't hit all of the the seven or so characteristics currently um, agreed upon for the for the metaverse? 
And if you guys would like to take a deep dive, again, can't recommend the book enough. Decoding the Metaverse, uh, you can just look that up. Um, and yeah, it, it explains everything. We've had kind of a high-level conversation today, but uh, if you read the book, it's very, very step-by-step. -step. It goes through all of the elements. And where, whether you're like me and you're a Web3 critic, uh, or you are uh, just interested in the Metaverse, or you're on the other side of that fence and you're, you're pro-crypto and Web3, um, you know, this is going to lay everything down for you and give you a grip on what the future could look like and how you could interface with that future. Um, and uh, so definitely recommend it, uh, Decoding the Metaverse, if you want to check it out. Um, all right, so I have a little question. Sam, if I... Yeah, jump in. Oh, Sam, if I could just extend... Uh, th thank you for that, but if I could just extend that yeah. uh, one point. Um... Sorry, we're losing you just a little bit. Can you hear me now? Uh, we can hear you now. Can you hear me now? Yep. There we go. Can you hear me now? You know, I always uh, was a little disappointed that I missed the early days of the web. And so Excellent. I think uh, this is quite an exciting time for all of us because we truly uh, can be the change or the future that we want. Yep. And so that, that's kind of the big rallying cry for the book. That was my mission. That was kind of my energy uh, for the late nights was... Hopefully this just gives some inspiration to everyone that we can be part of the future and build uh, a metaverse that has infinite abundance, literally infinite abundance um, for all of us uh, going forward. So, you know, it's a, a high a high vision to achieve, but I, I think um, we, we've got, you know, the 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 insights from the past number of years, the technologies to really start to develop uh, some interesting worlds in the metaverse that are additive to, to uh, society, businesses, and individuals. Awesome. All right, so we have Moth here who has been, uh, he is first in line on both levels. So Moth, I gotta invite you to jump in. Uh, go ahead and share your question. Hello, so I have Two questions, actually. So it depends. So, like, can I ask a question about like Adobe's vision and such? Or... Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Okay. So wait, it was here. Okay. So my question was like, what's the Adobe's vision for the metaverse, and how does it plan to contribute to its development? Well, I'm sorry, you, you broke up a little bit. I'm having oh. bandwidth. Um, he, he's asking, I'll ask on his behalf because uh, it might be between yeah. you guys. So uh, basically, he's wondering uh, what Adobe's vision for the metaverse is and how it plans to contribute to it. Wonderful. Uh, just one caveat before getting into that. The, the book, uh, much like social, people's social feeds, was and is kind of my personal view mm -hmm. and uh, you know the book is a separate project I'll jump and put on more of a corporate hat um, you know we're, we're quite excited about the future specifically what we've seen over the last couple of years is time and time again when we enter into uncharted territory dynamic environments creativity continuously helps us find solution so creativity for all is our north star the metaverse is a, a platform a world and environment that we're extremely excited about specifically centered around 3d you know from a software standpoint uh, a few years ago we went really deep with substance 3d you can think of it as like the photoshop for 3d that has democratize the ability to create assets and texturize them in 3d so we're kind of uh not building the metaverse per se we're helping people like yourself who are generating content build the the metaverse with uh, the adobe software suite so that that's one thing um one component that we're contributing to the metaverse the second one is uh something we're calling gen tech or generative ai and we see that within uh, three or four horizons. The first one being generative text, the second one being generative uh, images, the third one being generative videos, and then the fourth one, referencing back to the earlier point, generative 3D. When you combine those capabilities, 
within the metaverse, something that we didn't touch upon, but is going to be really fascinating is the corpus of data coming out of metaverse because it, it, Sam, to your point, it's going to be more immersive. So that's going to be more immersive data that can be leveraged for more predictive, personalized, individualized experiences. And how do you scale that? It can help scale that generative um, capabilities to create help create the content uh, faster not to say it's going to replace the human in the creative process but it'll help um, you know, creativity get to a starting point faster so uh, you know awesome. very high level I'd say those are two two areas that we're really ex extremely ex uh, excited about 3d and generative tech Awesome. We have time for one more. Diamond, go ahead and jump up. I'm going to go ahead and get you in here. Go ahead and speak, Diamond. Are you there? Your mic is unmuted, so if you speak, we should be able to hear you. I'll see if I can find their question just in case. Um, let me see here. Don't see that question listed. Um, let me just see here. I see the conversations continued. Okay, so I'd love to. Uh, I'll, I'd love to jump in. I prepared like way too many questions. Um, all right, so let's jump to uh, something that's very, very near and dear to my heart, and again motivates me very much. It has to do with the privacy side of things. Um, you talk in your book about the wallet as your point of access for everything in this new world. Uh, and it stores a history of your transactions and those transactions are immutable. That sounds like it could be a real challenge for privacy. Uh, can the whole world now see my transactions, my interactions and potentially my messages? Yeah, you're, you're touching on some of the, uh, within the, the hypothesis going forward, uh, leveraging blockchain. That, that is the, the blessing and the burden of uh, the current state of blockchain. Yep. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a couple of them, right? One is kind of the, the amount of energy that's needed uh, for uh, distributed ledger like blockchain in its current form, but also, right, it has a history of transactions. So the, the big question is, um, how can you protect some information that is, you know, uh, of utmost privacy? And so there, there might be some theories currently that are rings around the blockchain that can provide a layer of, of um, privacy, specifically around the wallets. Gotcha. Um, and they're all very experimental, but I would think uh, I would just uh, offer a visual of multiple rings of protection around a wallet, everything from privacy to security and so on. Um, you know, there's there's different strategies, you know, you could um, do kind of multi block to try to uh, hide it. But I think that the theory Current, currently is a multi-ring security uh, around it. Um, Sam, if, if you don't mind me diverging, mm -hmm. I, I do think that the wallet is going to be a fascinating uh, opportunity for entrepreneurs going forward, uh, a source of innovation going forward, where if we can create a system where uh, the user has ownership provenance of their wallet yep. and they have the ability to to uh, give rights to access of that wallet yep. to whom when they want that could be a very interesting solution for privacy so okay. you get asked you get pinged if you want to allow someone to look at one section of your wallet and then you get monetized for that um, for that peak into your wallet. I think that that could be uh, interesting. So I think that's an gotcha. area ripe for future innovation going forward. Awesome. 
Well, I don't want to keep you uh, longer than we have you for. It's been fantastic, absolutely fantastic having you. Uh, we've needed an excuse to deep dive in conversation in the metaverse. We've had our heads down working on stuff, and it's always good to just step back and get a big picture. I'd like to reach out to those who might be listening in on uh, on our podcast, Metaverse Demystified, uh, if you want to be part of this community and experiment live uh, with the ideas of digital civilization. You can go ahead and go to p1om.com slash socials. Uh, if you go to the game development discord, uh, that's where we um, you know, develop together. And the whole idea is that uh, we're seeking to come up with a social structure that could develop an ethical metaverse platform. Um, and that's really interesting, uh, really in the interest of people. So we, we deliberately diverged from open source because we felt open source doesn't put enough of its resources on marketing. And so we made a deliberate decision to come up with a new way of doing things that was the same way collaborative and the same way people first and the same way open as open source, but uh, which creates an incentive structure which focuses um, people and the community on, on marketing the product as much as anything else. So if you're interested in that, come on down. If you're interested in the book, just go ahead and search it up and we'd love uh, to uh, have you check that one out. That's Decoding the Metaverse. You can just search that up on Google and uh, give it a buy. I definitely recommend it. All right. It's been awesome having you, Chris. Thank you so much for coming down. Any last question or thought you have for us? Uh, just, just a uh, thought um, note of appreciation, respect, admiration, uh, specifically around you know this notion of community. I think... Uh, you, you embody that and your mission uh, is going in, in, in a great direction. Uh, we'd just love to leave this one equation with everyone. Yeah. Uh, you know, after doing a number of analysis on, you know, a potential solution uh, framework to think about how to build you know, a better uh, metaverse, came to a conclusion of connections, community, which ultimately ladders up to empowerment. So connections plus unity plus community equals empowerment so i think awesome. if we we can build better connections that will create better unity which will be uh, creating better community which ultimately empowers us all as individuals society and businesses so, um, absolutely uh applaud everyone's effort and uh, uh great to be here thanks everyone Thank you so much, Chris. We always appreciate talking about it, and it's uh, it's been a joy to have you. So for the recording, we're going to end here. We'll see you guys next time, but we will be having our afterward discussion uh, here in Discord. So stick around for that. 